This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. A landlord, yo. 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 As you will have guessed, uh, today's show is about landlords and tenants, and today we focus on commercial leases, although many of the same laws apply to residential leases. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. Welcome, Lions. Thank you very much, Gary, and good afternoon to our listeners and our podcasters and our guests and yourself, Gary. But uh, what happened to the music? Music coming, Lions. Oh, okay. Music coming. I was still jiving. You know? Yeah. Today we're discussing commercial lease, uh, commercial leases, really, and uh, I think we all know that disputes are on the rise, and with the economy in the doldrums, Tenants are feeling strangled and landlords are screaming, get out of my property, Futsak, when be oh careful, no, DJ. Be careful you say that you'd rather get a court order than tell a man to foot sack lines. No, certainly. Where did you, where do you get your music? Lines, I spent hours and hours listening to great music. Wow. This is one of them. That's voices from Mother Africa. Foot sack go once. You heard it, Lines? Yeah, vamos. <laughs> one of the questions that are commonly asked is, can a landlord simply cut off your electricity if you don't pay? Hmm. And uh, the obvious answer to all of us is no. Well, you'll be surprised, Lions. You're going to be absolutely surprised because one of the, one of the Cape Town non-paying tenants had his lights turned off and uh, he went to the Cape High Court and the court ruled on that one. So we're going to talk about that a little later and much, much more. Wow, interesting. With us today is someone really special. She's Madeleine Truter. She's an advocate of the High Court and Specialist Legal Counsel on Property Matters. And with her, we'll discuss commercial landlord and tenant issues, although a lot of the residential stuff and the commercial stuff are kind of crossover. They cross over. Not only is she that, but she's a walking encyclopedia, a very knowledgeable woman in the area of law when it comes to property. Yeah, you're right. Our Facebook page uh, is The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Lines the Twitter handle. It, it's Hertzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. And you can like and also suggest any topics that you would like us to talk about. Remember, you get free legal advice from the top-notch legal expertise in the country. So you're... Just do the right thing. Just tell us what is it that you want us to talk about. Yep. 
Our partner today is Legal Talk South Africa with its Facebook membership of 172,000 Amper. And uh, yeah, we're taking questions from some of their members and lines. By the way, I don't know if you know this, that Legal Talk South Africa is now offering a service of tracing people. Wow. People that don't want to be found, they find them. Whether it's a debtor who's ducking his creditors or one of those Papgeld maintenance dodgers, they will find that person for you. In addition, they offer a whole bunch of verification services. Go to their webpage, legaltalksa.co.za, and if you need any tracing, it's admin at legaltalk.co.za. Ray Green heads us up. Oh, no, that's great. That, that's beautiful work because especially when it comes to Papgeld, many women actually have to carry the brunt of actually looking after the families on their own, and it's quite unfair for the men to just go scotch-free. So they, they better find them. Yeah, um, and Lange, you always talk about bringing the best of the best into Cliff Central Studios. Well, today we're living up to that. Let me introduce our guest in a little more detail. Her name is Madeline, Madeleine Truter. She's an advocate. She holds a BLC LLB degree, a BA honors in political science, a master's degree in human rights and constitutional practice. She holds advanced certificates in construction, banking, and company law. On the property issues, landlord-tenant, she has worked for some of the biggest South African property houses. She's presently general counsel to SETSO, S-E-T-S-O, property fund, a big property fund in South Africa. She's been a finalist for the African Legal Awards General Counsel of the Year, as well as a finalist for Standard Bank Top Woman Award of last year in the property category. Uh, fully an me. Aren't you embarrassed to get all, all these accolades? No, so I'm humbled by all of those accolades. Uh, it's always wonderful, especially if you amongst your sisters. Um, and also I think it is especially nice coming from other women. Um, yeah. A, yeah, they recognize you. Exactly. What I like about your attendance today in this studio is you deal with this hands-on and practically yes. every day. You're dealing Cold with landlords place. and tenants and yes. all the mm. stuff that goes As, with it. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's almost breaking news as the story develops. Good. So well, we're getting it from the horse's mouth lines. Where does she get the time to do all of the studying and be a businesswoman at the same time? Is there anything that I left out uh, that you that of your pedigree that you'd like to mention? No, no, that is about it. it. That is uh, only the 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 start. It's um, the start of uh, great things uh, to come. Um, certainly, I think I love the forum that you have. I think mm. it starts with people knowing what their legal remedies is, not feeling disempowered. Um, whether it is about Papgeld or whether it is especially now with our new political dispensation, the new dawn, um, dusting off of the economy. It's bound to happen that you're going to set up a business, especially for young people. And the first step is you have to secure premises. So for mm. that, you're going to have to enter into a commercial lease agreement. And that is actually so wide. It could be retail premises, which actually is a whole kettle of fish on its own. It could be an office building. It could be single-tenanted, multi-tenanted. All of those things bring different nuances. Um, you could maybe set up a little industrial warehouse. I listened to a fascinating interview yesterday um, with the founder of uh, Soweto Gold mm. and how he sourced his brewery in Orlando West in uh, Soweto. Um, so a commercial lease is something that I feel almost should be taught at school. 
I don't know if you're going to have law as a subject <laughs> in school, but for me it is as basic as, you know, the STEM sciences. I think law should also be already at a school level. It's like we don't teach our children about money and saving, and mm. we don't teach our children about their rights and equity and fairness and that there is legal remedy. You must just be pointed in the right direction to find yeah, it. Yeah, so mm. true. You've been quoted as saying, Madeleine, that uh, it's in, uh, lease disputes are so common Yes. That it's crucial that everyone knows their legal rights and obligations. Especially if you're sitting with a bully landlord mm. and especially if you're a little bit inexperienced. Um, luckily, I think some of the questions that came through from uh, Legal Talk SA touched on the Consumer Protection Act. And mm. I'm very happy. I think those were beautiful, wonderful very succinct and profound questions, and we have to talk about that. Um, so there is protection for you, but um, unfortunately, with a commercial lease agreement, mm. it is not you're not in the coral reef anymore. You are in the wide ocean, so there are sharks. Not that I'm saying all landlords are sharks, but I'm saying you need to watch out for them. Yes. So, um, in as much as for uh, rental. Leases, there's protection, there's a rental housing tribunal, and there is someone that's going to look out for you. Um, when it is commercial lease agreements, there are bodies that you can, you can go to, and certainly there are remedies, arbitration, uh, the court. Okay, we'll, we'll, let's deal with them in, in some kind of order. Let me just take you generally through a lease agreement. Yes. Madeleine, does a lease have to be in writing or can a lease be oral? It can be oral. Mm. Um, the problem with the oral lease agreement is that the burden of proof. It's very difficult to prove what was agreed between the parties. And also commercial leases are not simple leases. They have clauses like how are you going to pay the rent. So for um, retail there are things like turnover rental clauses. There is normally a tenant installation that the landlord or the tenant has to agree between themselves. Um, so it's very specific and that kind of detail is very difficult to be able to prove if you're only relying on a verbal lease agreement. So and then it, also yeah. if you have um, – there is the security of tenure thing. If you are setting up a factory um, – and your business requires you to have security of tenure for maybe a longer period, maybe 10 years. You're going to want that lease to be in writing because you're also going to want to endorse it against the title deed. Mm -hmm. um, because there is hierhard voor koop, which means that you can't be kicked out if the property changes ownership. Um, okay, so that's important. If I sign a lease and the landlord, after six months, my lease is for five years or three years after six months he sells out has to take you your, on your lease continues with continues, the new landlord yes. so many people under the misapprehension that they get scorped out because there's a new new owner but it doesn't work no 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 so that is common law Roman Dutch law it's a very old principle security of tenure um, the landlord cannot um, kick you out I mean obviously if it is an obstructive landlord and it's maybe a different zoned property and they want to knock it down and put mm. up a brand spanking new um, green star building, they might try and put you in breach and try and get you out because they're just making life difficult for you in general. Yes. But in law, I mean, all of that is then unfair practices, which so, would then bring us back to the CPA. So the landlord takes over, the new landlord takes over the lease as Steps is. Steps into the shoes. Yes. Exactly the same rights and obligations that you had against the old landlord. Now he's sucking you because he wants you 
out yes. because he wants more money or he wants yes. to develop. Yes. So he's watching your every step. Exactly. Let's uh, we kind of we we will take we'll take this discussion where it leads us. But yes. let's assume that the landlord is trying to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. Does he? If you pay one day late, yes, can he cancel your lease? In the, in majority of leases that that are around in the commercial world. So if you in a business, sorry, in a business lease, we're talking business lease. Yes. Yeah. So if you just look at the civil procedure, and mm. if you look at um, the magistrate's court, there's no requirement for a letter of demand first to be sent before you issue the summons. Mm. However, when you sign your lease agreement, I would then say one of the things to look out for is because perhaps you're just having a temporarily uh, cash flow problem, mm. um, which will be sorted out in a week's time. You're waiting for um, a client to pay you. Um, so I would then say make sure that the landlord can't just issue the summons immediately. There must be a letter of demand. In any event, there are benefits for the landlord to first send the letter of demand and only then issue the summons for non-payment of rental because then he can also claim for um, interest. Let's talk, sorry, let's just And negotiate that period for as long as possible. We'll come to interest. Let's talk okay. about when I want to uh, re- lease premises. Yes. I speak to a landlord or his agent. Yes. They present a lease document which can run into hundreds of pages or it's small print. Normally a small Bible, sm- yes. A small Bible. Is there, I mean, you work for, and you've worked for the biggest property yes. companies in, in South Africa. Is it like a bank that my document's my document and you can't change it? Or do Not you, is anymore. There room, is there room to amend the lease agreement if I'm a tenant? So certainly I think there's a difference between uh, sophisticated uh, tenants that have signed many lease agreements before and mm. then there is a special dispensation for Consumer Protection Act tenants. Uh, for the Consumer Protection Act tenants, you first have to do the test to establish whether the tenant is a consumer and qualifies for the protection and then there normally is a questionnaire. And the questionnaire is... For example, if this lease is in Afrikaans, are mm. you fluid in Afrikaans? Do you understand it? If it's in English, do you understand it? Mm. Um, have you signed any lease agreements before? Um, and then also there's an obligation on the landlord if it is a CPI tenant, maybe a emerging young uh, business person signing a lease for the first time, to point out any of the onerous clauses, which is normally things like relocation, I can just move you, rebuilding, I can just chuck you out and put you in another premise um, you know, and what that does to your turnover and whether you're still going to be visible from the highway, it's none of my business. Okay, so Madeleine, let's talk about, let's get this out the way, then everyone knows whether they fall within the CPA, <clears throat> excuse me, or outside. Yes. I am starting out. I'm 25 years old. I start a, I get a, a new company called ABC PDY Limited. Yes. I'm ready to do business and I go and look for premises. Well done. I'm, I've got no history Nothing uh, of business. This is my first time, my first yes. premises. Yes. Am, I a st- am I covered by the CPA or not? So that doesn't have any influence whether you're covered by the CPA or not. The CPA protects uh, consumers, and a consumer is a natural person. So it's mm. going to be Madeleine Truter trading as a sole proprietor. It is going to be a partnership, so it's going to be Madeleine and Gary trading as a partnership in the name and style of ABC. Mm. And it is going to be a trust because a trust is sui generis. It's not a juristic person. Mm -hmm. And then also there was a special proclamation made. Um, If you are a legal entity, but either your assets or your turnover is less than 2 million rand per annum, 
then you also qualify for protection under the Consumer Protection Act. Okay, so I, unfortunately, yeah. if you are a company, a closed corporation, and you exceed the asset value or the turnover value of two, of two million rand per annum, hmm. um, you're not going to be protected under the Consumer Protection Act. Okay, so in the example I gave you, where it's a brand new company, no turnover, no assets, nothing, it's clean. Consumer. Um, the Consumer Protection Act protects that very tenant. Yes. 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 Lines, you got that. Many people, and as a lawyer, I get this constantly. People say, well, I'm a company, so I'm probably not protected. Depends you on are, the turnover you, and the assets. If you're a absolutely. poor company that's yeah. only starting out, you don't have a balance sheet, no assets, you're not really making turnover mm. yet. Um, you're still a consumer, you qualify for the protection. Good. And you need the protection because yeah. the purpose of the CPA was to introduce fairness and equality, um, but to bring it in line with international best practices. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to what we were talking about a little earlier about the new landlord who's bought the building. He wants yes. to get rid of me because he wants more rent and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, the lease agreement and 99% of Commercial leases that I see read something like this, and I'm quoting off the top of my head. It says, should you fail to pay your any amount due by you on due date, or should you commit any other breach and fail to remedy such breach within seven days after receipt of written notice, then the landlord can cancel. In other words, the most leases do not give um, you protection if you pay late. In other words, it says, should you fail to pay any amount on due date or commit any other breach. So the notice is in respect of any other breach, but the pay, late payment, uh, the, the landlord does not have to give you notice. Those are 99% of the leases that I see, meaning that if you pay one day late, the landlord generally can cancel. So I think the thing is to try and establish a good Same as with residential. You want to establish a good relationship and be on a good footing with your landlord. So if the rent is going to be late by one day, I would suggest contacting the credit manager, the accounts manager, give them a heads up and say it might not be in the account by the first business day of the month, but mm. it is going to come through and then make a payment yeah, Just be very, very careful. If a landlord is gunning for you and he wants you out, he's going to wait for you to slip up. With the one day but late remem- and then he's going to cancel on you. No, but remember we're saying that the new trend amongst landlords, the property market is distressed. Yes. So landlords are actually, there's a feeding frenzy amongst them. So they're actually looking for tenants. They're doing very special deals on tenant installations. They are giving rent-free periods. Um, that's just for offices, um, mm. especially in Santon. There's a massive oversupply in uh, office stock. Mm-hmm. Um, then the retail shopping centers, there were just too many retail shopping centers built in South Africa. I don't know whether that was a failure on the town planning side or whether it was just greedy developers, but there's too much stock. Well, I suppose when the developers planned the development was probably 10 years ago, and things have gone down in the last few years, so the buildings are now up and they don't have the tenants. In America, it's uh, so-called zombie malls, where it's a mall and it's just like these few zombies uh, walking around. It's tragic. So if ever there was a market for tenants to be able to negotiate and shop around amongst the big landlords, um, it would be now. Um, But then if you don't ask, you don't get. Let me ask you this question, because you're on the other side. You're with the landlord. Yes. I'm a new tenant. I'm scared to sign a long lease, or the landlord's trying to press me to sign a three-year lease or whatever. Uh I just want to sign a year 
Do you think I can get it right now? In so if you're a CPA tenant, the maximum period for a fixed contract under the CPA is supposed to be no longer than two years mm. unless discussed with the tenant mm. and then pointed out to the tenant what the consequences would be. So that's a CPA tenant. Yes. Um, very difficult at the moment. The lease periods uh, that are being signed up is between three and five years. You're not really getting uh, the long term unless it's like a multinational mm. company, um, the discoveries and not the Tiger Brands, I don't know. <laughs> but if it's a big multinational company, you might still be able to get a 10-year lease agreement, which is the one that you would endorse, endorse against the title deed. Yeah. But um, the lease periods are shortening, and that's also having an effect on the valuations of the property because the rental period that you have signed up is becoming shorter and shorter. There's something that I find very interesting, and, and you may or may not be able to answer this question just from a – Secrecy point of view, how do the major retailers pay on their turnover? How, without giving away too many figures, can you maybe explain to our listeners how it works when a when a big mall lets to or leases so to? So that yeah. is actually it is a little bit uh, sensitive. Sensitive, yes. Yeah. I don't know if you're aware that the Competition Commission is uh, busy with the investigation into uh, retailers and then specifically. The exclusivity clauses mm. um, But those turnover clauses Are finely, finely crafted I mean mm. the most important Part of the retailers I would say is the turnover clause And then normally they try and negotiate For an exclusivity clause To keep mm. other competitors out yes. Of that specific Is that mall. falling foul of the Competitions Act? Yes, yes, yes Because yeah. it's, it's, it's making a market It's competitors coming together to make it a market mm. It's raising the barriers of entry um, so definitely no go. When you talk of turnover, is it actually do they give the landlord the figures and they say this is what we made this year or this month and this is what you charge? There's a whole there's a whole mechanism. You're supposed yeah. to hand over your figures. It then gets audited extensively. Um, yeah. If the landlord does not uh, is not in a position to place reliance on the turnover certificate, um, he has the right to get his own turnovers, uh, t- own auditors to um, vet it. Yeah. Um, you then go back. Um, those percentages are revised normally for new developments. There is a period before um, the rent, the turnover rent uh, kicks in where the tenant would only pay the basic rent just to get them up on their feet and for the shopping center to get traction and to start trading. Yeah. Um, but definitely retail turnover clauses, definitely the things to watch out for. Uh, um, um, just from my own, for my own knowledge, do most major retailers have turnover clauses? Absolutely. Yeah, that's how it works. Mm. Uh, they don't pay a fixed rental. It's all based on what they turnover. sell. Turnover. Yeah. yeah. Is it really strictly on the turnover? If we make a hundred uh, million rand sales this week, that's it. That's what you pay on. That's why you're putting the retailer in the development. That's mm. the purpose of the anchor tenant is to mm. attract the feet so that the other line shops, the mums and the pop sh- uh, shops, yeah. you shop at your big retailer and then you buy a little bit of bultong or dried fruit on your way out. Yeah. So the purpose of the anchor tenant is to, to bring the feet to the shopping center. Who's, who's calling the shots today? If I may ask, is it the landlord or the major retailers when it comes to turnover percentages and who's who's got the strength? It is in today's a market constant, yeah. so it's a little bit like um, Pinky and the Brain. It is mm. a battle for dominance. Yeah. Um, but I think certainly the national retailers are watching their step mm. uh, with the competition authorities. And kudos to the competition authorities. It shows you that there really is benefit in having a robust 
competition regulator watching out for the consumer. Mm. Um, so certainly I think things have changed drastically in the past three years. Um, Can so you explain that a little more to people that don't know or is it something you don't want to talk about? It's up to you on the competitions aspect. Uh, so there was uh investigation launched by the competition authorities mm. um, specifically about exclusivity clauses that were inserted into um, leases with big national retailers. And For would, example, if you have ShopRite checkers, uh, there's something in the lease that says you can't put anyone else in, like pick and You can't and have another bakery or you yeah. can't have a small little toy shop okay. or you can't have a little corner butchery, okay. um, which means that that small entrepreneur is mm. now being kept out of the shopping center mm. just because of greediness of the retailer. He wants all of the pie for himself. Mm. No pun intended on the yeah, part. No, yeah. it's like tr- creating a monopoly system for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very difficult to penetrate a monopoly system yes. if you are just yes. this small. Funnily yeah. enough, there's a, and I'm going to push for yeah. this lady, there's a Bedmore shopping center. Right outside Pick and Pay, there's a little bakery there. She makes the best cakes ever. Yeah, it's called Farmhouse Fair, I think, oh. if anyone's in the area. Not getting paid for that one. Okay, stunning this. I'm loving this. Let's talk a little more about... Uh, People that don't pay, yes. the landlord, does he have the right to cut your electricity? So what landlords have started to do, and this goes back maybe eight years, mm. they started to split their rental invoices. Um, so you would have a gross rental, and the gross rental is made up of a rental, a purely rental component, mm. and then there would be operating costs. And operating costs are things like your water and electricity consumption, uh, sewage, uh, rates and taxes, any contributions to a community improvement district if it is in um, – a park, uh, there would be a owners association, a contribution to the maintenance of the, you know, the walkways and the grass and the landscaping and all of that. So what landlords do is they split the invoice into the rent. And if you want to then recover arrears, what you do is you use your landlord's hypothec, which is another brilliant question that came through from the Legal Talk SA listeners. You use your landlord's hypothec, which is a common law remedy. To recover the rent And then for the operating costs You are now left to other devices To try and recover that And then especially if it is A big industrial tenant For example like a foundry That uses massive amounts of electricity What the landlords are doing Is they are cutting the electricity Um, Now if you follow the proper procedure Um it might be lawful. However, there is a principle called spoliation. Mm-hmm. And spoliation, simply explained, is once I am in possession of something, whether that possession is rightful or wrongful, it can't be taken away from me. Yes. So to explain that, even if you steal my car and I see you with my car, I can't take it back from you even though your possession was unlawful because mm. you obtained possession via theft. Mm. I can't just go and then take it back again. You've got to get a court order. You've got to get a court order. Yeah. It's crazy logic, but that's the law. That is the law. Even if it belongs to you, exactly. you cannot go and take it back. You've got to get a yes. court order too. Yeah. So that is yeah. what the judgment said. It said yes. that you had, there is a remedy in law. And you have to follow the letter of the law And you are not remedy-less However, landlords are now taking liberty with that And they are skipping a few of the steps Um, And they are just cutting the electricity Without following the correct legal procedure So just go and turn it off Just turn it off 
And then, even though... But that's, that's a direct spoliation. That is a direct spoliation. Now, what... There was, so, yeah, tenants need to be yeah. aware of that. Yes. They need to be aware that under certain circumstances, if landlords follow the correct procedure and do obtain a court order, mm. there might be the risk that the water consumption, because it keeps on running up, mm. and also the water consumption is actually subsidized to a certain extent by the landlord, because the billing period is different. Yes. The rent is charged in advance, but you don't know what the actual consumption is until the end of the month when you can read the submeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so to cut their losses, the landlords then immediately without the court order might potentially cut the electricity or the water. Um, I've heard of instances at the VNI Waterfront Marina where the potable water supply has been cut. Mm. And now we all know that water is a constitutional right, yeah. whereas electricity isn't. So that's even worse. I mean, that makes it uh, fall foul of the Constitution. There was a case that I think you raised uh, in, in the Cape Courts, Anver Properties. Yes. Do you, do you know the facts of that one? Yes, I do. Let yeah. me just quickly, I have it at hand. This is quite fascinating. Uh, mm. Anver owned a building on Rubik Street in Cape Town and N Street was one of the tenants occupying the building. The landlord paid the city of Cape Town directly for electricity supply to the building and then recovered the cost pro rata from the tenants. N Street didn't pay the electricity in months and practically speaking, the landlord was subsidizing N Street's business. Um, and the problem that was then faced by the landlord was that if it didn't keep up to date with the full so it was a multi-tenant building. You had to keep up with the full electricity of account. The city of Cape Town would then disconnect the supply for the entire Tire building. building. Sure. So you're punishing all of the tenants and mm. not just the non-paying uh, tenants. Um, and that was the dilemma. So they cut they cut the electricity and then the tenant rushed to court and said, hold on, you can't do that. You have Something to reconnect like your spoliation. You have to reconnect the supply. And what did the judge say in that case? Um, so the judge was sympathetic and that's actually opened the door for landlords because mm. if you can prove that you followed a proper process and you didn't just practice bush, just, bush justice and, you know, take the hands, you have to go to the court with clean hands. Mm. Um, so if you can show that you've done that, um, the court will actually be sympathetic to you as the landlord and mm. you will get your court order. Against the defaulting tenant. So, so sorry, there was no court order in this one. The landlord terminated the supply, and then the tenant rushed to court. I think. Yes. And the land and the judge said that the landlord was authorised to terminate the supply, and that the tenant could not reconnect the supply. I think that's that's this argument of that case, if I'm not mistaken. So the judge the judge okayed the landlord having. Uh, uh, Disconnected the electricity. Have I got it right? Um, I think what the the point the judge made is that the landlord cannot disconnect a delinquent delinquent tenant's electricity of its own volition under any circumstances. I think the focus was on there is a process for it. You need to follow the process. So again, Mr. Landlord, we we feel for you. We understand that you have to fork out your own money to pay for tenants that is not um, that you can't get the refund from. But there is a legal process available and you must avail yourself of this process. So, sorry, have I got that wrong? Was it the landlord or the tenant that applied to court? I, I don't know if um, I, I don't have all the facts. Uh, I actually don't have a full transcript of the uh, court case either. 
Um, so the question is, does, does it mean, according to that case, that landlords and property managers can summarily disconnect somebody's electricity? No. 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 Yeah. Okay. So it's a resounding no. Resounding no. Yeah. Um, however, if you do follow the process and if you do get the court order and yeah. if you do convince the court of the merits, um, once you have that court order, then you can cut. Okay, so I think it says here what this judgment has shown us is that the courts are in fact beginning to consider the economic implications of non-paying tenants and the plight of landlords affected by such non-payment. The fact that the judgment is a high court judgment makes it all more powerful. Yes, I think, yeah. exactly. Okay. You got it, Lance? No, I got it. But I think it's also just quite unfair for landlord to actually be carrying the burden of tenants. Tenants must come to the table. Yeah. Here's one that comes up all the time. Many companies in, in, in today's tough times are going uh, into business rescue. Am I right about that? Yes. What happens to their lease? Mm. So in terms of Section 134 of the Companies Act, it's Chapter 6, um, the lease cannot be cancelled. Um, so in order to go to bus- into business rescue, uh, it can be as simple as the board of directors passing a resolution. Yeah. Also, the board of directors has an obligation to notify creditors that we are trading under financial distress. Um, and there is an obligation on directors to then actually commence business rescue proceedings. Mm-hmm. If you don't, you could actually then incur personal liability because you're not fulfilling your fiduciary duty as a director. Now, the problem with the landlord is that the purpose with business rescue is to give the tenant a period within or the business rescue practitioner rather, mm-hmm. which is then appointed, mm-hmm. um, to trade out of its financial difficulties. Mm-hmm. And the business rescue practitioner will then um, – so the landlords would be one of the biggest creditors and they would then either vote for or against the business rescue plan. And as part of that plan, the business rescue practitioner would then have to make a proposal to the landlord to either reduce the size of the premises, um, to pay reduced uh, rental. Um, for example, with uh, Stutterfords, what happened was there was a six-month plan. And um, the purpose for the six-month plan was they were in the process of retrenching staff. So because you had less staff, you needed smaller premises. Mm. Um, and that was then phased in and rolled out over six months. Um, but then still, for the landlord, you have to bear with the tenant. Um, you can't chuck them out. You mm. can't immediately put the property back on the market and find a new tenant. Mm. And also, instead of getting a 100 rands out of your 100 rand rent, you now have to settle for a smaller amount um, luckily with Stutterfords, the, the size of the premises were reduced. So possibly if it was uh, premises that are capable of being subdivided, you could put in smaller tenants in those same warehouses or offices or if it's offices, you could subdivide it. Mm-hmm. Um, difficult with retail because a retail store is a retail store. You're not really going to, you know, start producing the size of the store while Stutterfords is still in there. Yeah. But um, that ultimately, is a big... Ultimately, Stutterfords closed down and moved out. But I, re- yes. I know the premises. Yes. Yeah. Massive, yes. massive. Yes. Yes. So the landlord's got to come to the party on this one. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He can't sit back and say, look, pay my rent or you're out. Yeah. yeah. So what landlords are starting to do is they are introducing what's called the ipso facto clause. Mm. And the ipso facto clause is something to the effect because very few business rescue plans 
actually get voted for, um, the success rate is about 20 to 30 percent. The bulk yeah. of them are actually not yeah. voted in by the largest uh, creditors because mm. they don't feel there's any benefit for them mm. and they prefer to then proceed directly to liquidation because they feel their chances would be better. better. And also um, the perception is, although business rescue was supposed to be a short process, three to six months, some unscrupulous business rescue practitioners are dragging it out to 24 months plus. Mm. So there is a perception that there is a better benefit for a creditor like a landlord to then rather just proceed immediately to liquidation. Um, But I think if the landlord and the business rescue practitioner can also find each other, um, there is an opportunity to for the tenant to trade out of its financial difficulty to maybe relocate to smaller premises, cheaper premises, a different node. um, And that is then also a negotiation. As a tenant, when you sign the lease agreement, what you need to watch out for is a clause that says something to the effect that as soon as you have commenced proceedings for business rescue and your business plan is not approved, that is then immediately a breach which would entitle the landlord to then Mm. kick you out. Yeah, I guess they've got to put some kind of limit on this, Mm. otherwise it's too open-ended. Yes. Let's take some questions from Legal Talk uh, listeners. Um, Some stunners here. Yes. Uh, yes. Claudia Jacobs, she says, I need some information on commercial lease agreements and if it also falls under the CPA. Um, Depends on whether the tenant is a consumer. Yes. So I think we dealt with that yeah. one. Yeah. Natural people, uh, so it's a sole proprietor, a partnership, uh, a trust, or if you're a small company or a close corporation with mm. either assets or turnover, so it's not both. It's either your assets is less than two million or your turnover is less than two million. Then you are a consumer and you are protected under the Consumer Protection Act. Now she wants to cancel and get out. Her lease is still another year to run. She's had enough. She wants to go. Can she cancel a business premise? So business if you're a Consumer Protection Act, you've got the cooling off period. Yes. Um, so depending, so it's almost like bias remorse. Um, that principle from the CPA started from the door-to-door salesman that sold you the waterless pots. Mm. Um, and also, funny enough, you'll see that nowadays when you sign a lease agreement, the broker won't come to your offices for the lease to be signed. They actually make you come to their offices for the lease to be signed to move away from that whole door-to-door salesman selling you the unnecessary things that you don't need. Yeah. So it depends on what uh, life stage of the lease we are in. Um, If she's just recently signed the offer She still has the cooling off period She's been there a year She's got another year to run 20 business days 20 business days is the cooling off period So that's if you've just signed And you realize that you made a mistake Or you rather want to go into other premises Or um, you still waited for funding to come through And it didn't come through And based on that you now have to give up the premises Mm. That's what the the cooling off period is for If you are um, in the middle of the lease Or towards the end of the lease And you see it's not working out for you um, what you can do is negotiate with the landlord. There will be an early termination penalty, and that penalty is almost like a discounted cash flow because the landlord's also 
in business. Mm. So if I knew that I was going to get 500,000 rand rent a month over three years, and I'm now only going to get it for two and a half years, you do the sum you do as a discounted cash flow and you calculate a cancellation penalty. And unfortunately that penalty would then be, would then be payable. Yeah. Also in terms of the CPA, um, penalties needs to be reasonable. So if it's a CPA tenant, it mm. can't be unreasonable. Mm. So I would then <clears throat> suggest or I would think what the landlord's course of action would be is they would go to maybe two or three months rent as a cancellation okay. fee. Good. We, uh, Conrad wants to know what is a fair, or I guess the word is market-related annual increase percent? So... It is whatever the market is. What's so, it at the moment? What would you say? Is it, it depends. So it's different from Santon to Pretoria CBD. It's different from retail to office to industrial. Mm. Um, some leases actually doesn't peg it at a percentage. They link it to CPI or CPIX. Um, it depends on what all of, is it a upcoming, uh, node? Are there many developments? Um, for example, all of, uh, Midrand with Mall of Africa and all of the, all of those office buildings going up. Mm. I mean, that would be if it's a developing node. It would be mm. different from maybe an old stagnant node. Yeah. What would one, I mean, I know it's, it's like how long is a piece of string? Are we looking at 6%, 8%? Five percent, or is it impossible to answer that one? It is a basket of all of those, depending on the specific type of the property and the node where the property is. And also, we remember we said that it's so wide; it could be retail, office, industrial. Then, yeah. even within your office sector, mm. you've got P grade, you've got A grade, you've got B grade buildings, um, and all of those buildings would have a different escalation rate. Okay. Um, there's a man called Josias. He says, hi, guys. I cancelled my business lease last year. The landlord imposed a fixed cancellation fee up front of 29000 I paid it. I was also charged for repainting, which I paid up front as well. It is now one year later, and they still give me every excuse as to why the deposit is not refunded. The deposit, deposit, deposit. Yes. This comes up umpteen mm. times. Every week uh, I'm waiting. What recourse do I have? So let's talk about deposits yes. and fair wear and tear and everything yes. that goes yes. with that. Yes. yes. So the reason for the deposit is security for the landlord if the tenant doesn't pay or mm. if the tenant damages the pre- uh, premises and doesn't reinstate. The landlords are never refunding this amount. They're always looking in nine times out of ten. They say, well, you damaged that and you broke that and your kids scraped this and you yes. know, it just goes on forever and they give you this long list and sorry, we're not giving you your money back. Yes. So I think with that, the principle is also heads up. When you're going to sign a lease, this is something that you need to be particularly aware of. Mm. So when you first move into the premises, take photos, make videos, um, make lists of defects mm. and make sure that that comes to the landlord's attention. So whether you go there yourself and you get someone to sign for it, whether you send it via registered mail, whether you send it via email, and you just make sure you get that red report to make sure that someone opened the email and read it. Mm-hmm. So go on record. Remember, 
if you say something, it is your obligation to prove it. Um, So that is up front. So that is then your baseline. So you know where you're starting from. So if the door was broken at the beginning of the lease agreement, I can't be expected to fix it at the end of the lease agreement. Um, But then I need to be able to prove that at the beginning of the lease agreement, the door was actually broken. So that means my photo, my defects list, was the handle broken? Was it off the hinges? What exactly was wrong? Did it just need a coat of paint? Um, So documentation, you need to have your paperwork in order. Then at the end of the lease agreement, you must Sorry to interrupt. Would fair wear and tear, the same principle apply to a residence and a business and a bill and a commercial lease? Yes. Yes. So in a lease agreement, you normally have what's called a usage clause. So when you're going to move into a residential property, you're going to say that this is a small little flat and it is not intended for more than two people to live here. If you move into an office building, you're going to say that this is intended for a call center. So obviously you're not going to run a light industrial warehouse of, out of these premises. Um, if you're going to have very nice wallpaper and you're going to have thick plush carpets, you're not going to have that for a call center because there's going to be footfall. You're going to have, go for a heavy duty carpet tile. Um, you're possibly not going to have wallpaper. You're just going to have normal, normal PVC white, uh, paint. Mm-hmm. Um, so it all goes back to the usage clause. And that's also where the fair tear, with fair wear and tear comes in. So you can only really assess fair wear and tear depending on what the intention was, what the property was intended to be used for. Mm-hmm. And then also the warranty period. So if I spec the building and I say that I am going to go for a heavy-duty carpet tile and the warranty or the lifespan of this carpet tile is for eight years and the lease is, for example, five years, you don't expect the tenant to wear out the carpet tile within the duration of the lease agreement Mm -hmm. unless they're doing something that they're not supposed to do. Um, also, if you have tears in the carpet, um, maybe someone has been wheeling around heavy equipment or safes. Now, you wouldn't expect that to happen in an office building. You would expect that to happen in a light industrial warehouse. Yeah. Um, so if you change the nature of your building, speak to the landlord, say the usage clause says that I'm only going to use this for office and for administration. Um, my business has expanded. I'm now also doing uh, dispatching or warehousing. Um, go on record. Uh, maybe you need different premises that's going to be better suited to your needs in any event. Um, but the problem there, I think, is documentation, documentation, documentation. Absolutely. Mm. It's um, You would know best evidence Mm. if you have a written document before the court and you don't have to get any oral evidence it's the best evidence rule it's a document it's reduced to writing it came to someone's attention they acknowledged receipt how do you argue against that yes and then also i wouldn't there is um something called tcp the tribunal for commercial property it's brand new not so new it's a few years old um, and that is almost like arbitration foundation of south africa but it's more specialized um, because property does have a lot of language and it has a lot of acronym soup so you know if you come before a normal commercial arbitrator you might not necessarily know what gla is gross letable area or mm. you know all of these other 
property words that brokers and landlords use. Um, so these people are either quality, uh, quantity surveyors, they are architects that uh, specifically did a course at the University of Pretoria where they're upskilled on the legal side or they are um, retired judges, advocates, senior advocates that upskilled on the property side and um, they got a specific uh, qualification uh, that's accredited with SARQA. What, pro- what's the website of this one? Do you know, It that? is a Tribunal for Commercial Property, TCP, like okay. the mouthwash. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely, I think, is something. Declare a dispute. Mm. Don't let that drag on and also delay justice is no justice Mm. and the longer you take to take something up the more difficult it gets to prove things because people there's staff turnover so you might have spoken to Madeleine the property manager now but in two months from now I would have left my employment so you know all of that knowledge all of that history is lost so Make hay while the sun shines. Don't sit on it for months. Good. Excellent. There's a question from Louise. Good morning, all. She says, can a landlord decide not to renew my lease agreement? It depends on what the lease says. So ordinarily, there is an option to renew. Mm. Now, an option is a legal Instrument. It is not something that is discretionary. There is an option. Mm. So if the option was exercised in accordance with the procedure provided for it in the lease agreement um, and she stuck to the, the, the time periods, then the lease must be renewed. And then also in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, if you're a consumer protection tenant, the landlord must give you notice not more than 80 days before the expiry and not later than 40 days that the lease is up for expiry and then what the consequences will be if the lease is renewed Mm. or if you maybe remain in the premises on a month-to-month basis. Excellent. Good. Um, there's so many more and we kind of, we're running out of time. Our controller's nudging me and saying, get on with it. Interest on the deposit. Yes. Is there such a thing? So the Estate Agency Affairs Board oversees property matters to make sure that uh, tenants are not taken advantage of and they also need to be funded. So, In terms of the Estate Agency Affairs Board, how it works is unless the landlord and the tenant specifically up front makes their own agreement, um, if the deposit is invested, 50% of that interest at the expiry of the lease agreement must go to the Estate Agency Affairs Board. Now, I don't see any reason for that to happen, and all it needs is just a clause in the lease agreement. The landlord shall invest the deposit at the best commercial rates available, and at the expiry of the lease agreement, interest on the deposit will be refunded in full to the tenant. Assuming that it's not not mentioned anywhere, and it's a residential property, and I give the uh, landlord one month's rent, he's got to put it somewhere, he puts it in a bank, who gets that interest? So it's also for residential, it must yeah. also be invested, yes. and it is supposed to come back to the tenant. To the tenant. Yes. Yeah, but it's his money, it's, it's, it's the tenant's it's, it's money. It's another, yeah. I must actually make a little tick list that we can publish somewhere for listeners, just like, you know, clauses we want to a, watch out for. We want a Cliff Central list, tick list, please. Yes. For all property. Uh, I will make one with all you? of the, yeah. the like, the red, we call them ah, the red absolutely. clauses. We, we're desperate for that. Yes. Very kind of you. We're going to hold you to it. And well, Gareth, Gareth is standing outside. He's, he's listening. And so there you are. 
We shall, we shall, we shall have the first tick list in South Africa. So this will be a tick list for for onerous clauses yes. that tenants need to watch out for. Yes. And as I say, the best mark, the best time ever to negotiate with a landlord is now because they're scrambling because you, they've got lots of stock. You write articles. But if sorry, you go ahead. don't ask, you're not going to get. Mm. So get the tick list. Yes. Know what you can negotiate on. Know which things are going to get you into trouble, and then negotiate. Good. We're going to hold you to that one. Wait for it. You wrote, you not wrote, you write some great articles all over the place. One of them is in the Asset magazine, which is a very interesting magazine, isn't it? You wrote about a Bitcoin paying, uh, paying your rent by Bitcoin. Yes, barter. Yes. Legal principles barter. I suppose the landlord's got to accept your Bitcoin. It's got to accept. Um, yeah. So in law. Do you, know, do you know any property developers, owners, agents that are accepting Bitcoin offhand? Uh, not in South Africa. Mm. Um, in America, it is accepted. Um, in law, the principle is the same as barter. I would come, you the shopkeeper, I would come, I would pay you with uh, eggs or a sheep. Yes. Um, and then also there's the additional benefit that you, you fiat the Bitcoin, mm. so it actually lands up as Zaj in the landlord's bank account. So the landlord is totally oblivious that originally it started out as Bitcoin. You work for a, a large property owning company. Do yes. Do you want to mention anything about them or are you very private about who you work? No, it's a Setsa property fund. They mm. are a level four BEE empowered company. It's part of the African Rainbow Capital Group. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a very young group of um, directors. Mm. They are very entrepreneurial. Any big names you want to mention? Um, so it's associated with Patrice Mutsebe. I thought so. Um, it is, he has, uh, the two legs. Yeah. The one is the, the banking side. You will have heard of Time, yeah. TYME, the banking license that yeah. I obtained last year. Yeah. And then also on the property side, um, very famous on the property side is the Valdivie Polo Estate run by Reich Nietling. Mm-hmm. Um, Beautiful there. Yeah. But then also yeah. that's not all Setso does. So, yeah. uh, Setso is all about, Upcycling. So we're saying that you can't just always build new buildings from scratch and all the yeah. developments can't always be in Gauteng and in the Western Cape. Yeah. You must have buildings somewhere else and all the old buildings can't always be knocked down. What about vendor lines for yeah. our presidents looking for stuff? Yeah. <laughs> you have my card. Can I give you another card? So please, we open for business. Yeah. Um, they're young, they're hungry, they are, I mean, the, Brain capital and that office is through the roof. Yeah. Um, so you're gonna get you're gonna get a promotion after this, you know. Yeah. Uh, I hope I don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's been an absolute privilege to be in your company. We we've really just touched this kind of uh, touched the surface, surface skimmed the surface. Yeah. Yes. We're gonna get you back and talk more. Maybe on yeah. that checklist. Yes. Okay. Mm. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You've been t- we've been talking to Madeleine Truter. Tritar in Afrikaans. Yeah, where did you learn your English? Where did you go to school, if I may ask? I'm from Pretoria, born yeah. and bred. Yeah. 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 Lionel's excited about that. Yeah, I'm from yeah. How many distinctions in matric did you get, Madeleine? I'd rather not disclose. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a full I house? Love that. No. I love that. Okay, Lionel, you enjoyed this one? No, it was very informative. Thank yeah. you very much Many for thanks to us Madeleine Tritar of Setsa. Yeah. yeah.
Excellent. Thank you, Bayo. And uh, to you, our listener, thanks for listening. And until next week, cheers. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.